Um, I read, watch Netflix if I can, but a lot of it just it's just reading, and I end up talking to the goats. So yeah. they keep me company. The goats are pretty. Uh, <laughs> they're they're good listeners. <laughs> they don't talk back or interrupt, so <laughs> no complaint. Hi, I'm Nikhil Thoda. and I'm Takashi Wicks, and this is Tuna Pasta a collection of conversations recorded across the United States where we look for stories and lessons on the road from the people and places we often pass by. arrived at Salt Lake City, Utah, mile 4,565. It was mid-afternoon on a hot summer day. For those of you who don't know, Salt Lake City is the holy city for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known as the Mormon Church. The city was founded in 1847 and is specifically designed to be a place of worship for the Mormon people, and although today less than half the population of Salt Lake City identify as members of the church, the church's influence and culture continue to thrive, exemplified by Temple Square our first stop in Salt Lake City. Located in the center of downtown, Temple Square is as unique of a site as you can imagine in an American holy city. Men in suits drive into an underground parking system to start work in the 40-story LDS church headquarters, while Chinese tourists walk around the temple grounds, guided by sisters of the church who came from all around the world to serve a mission in Salt Lake City. Side note, don't attempt to interview these sisters while they're in the middle of giving a tour. Again, we apologize for that. We walked by a man-made creek that flowed into a reflecting pool and arrived at the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. The lobby's two stories high, held up by incredible marble columns and surrounded by an atrium gilded with gold. As we looked around in awe of the room, an elderly woman approached us. She said, Isn't it beautiful? Followed with facts about the architecture, which turned into personal stories about coming here as a young girl, remembering the liveliness back when it was merely a hotel lobby. She wanted to show us the ballroom where she had one of her first dances in Salt Lake City. Reluctantly in the ballroom, we asked if we could interview her, and she ecstatically agreed. Here's Annie. I'm Annie Ofar, and I am originally from the Netherlands, and came here, came over to the United States, uh, partly as a member of the church. I was a new member of the church and came to Salt Lake City. When was that? I've lived here 50 years. 50 years? Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, can you uh, describe what exactly is it you do? Uh, right here, I'm a service missionary, so I'm hosting. I host in two different church buildings, right here at the Joseph Smith Memorial and also at the church office building um, vol- as a volunteer. And so we have lots of guests coming from all over the world that love, uh, you know, they've heard so much about Salt Lake City and they just kind of want to know what we're really all about. They figure out that we're really nice people. Yeah, we've we've definitely been exposed (laughs) to that. And and so, um, and I think it's a blessing for us because it's really wonderful to meet so many different people from all over the world. Yeah. And 
so that's basically what we do. We just uh, we don't uh, proselyte. We just show you what uh, we what, what we're about. You know, people say, well, "What does your church believe in?" So we kind of refer them to the missionaries. Mm -hmm. uh, people will ask me, "Okay, well, why did you come over?" I came over for the church, and I converted to Mormonism um, in Holland, and so. Uh, the church brought me over over here. I knew that I had friends here, so I came to, I went to school here a little bit, just learning English as a second language yeah. because I didn't speak language. I didn't speak English. I had taken French and German in school. Oh, wow. So it's been a, uh, I've loved, raised my family here and my children are here. Did you come to the U.S. by yourself? I did. Really? About how old were you? I was uh, 19, not quite 20. I had a suitcase, a little suitcase, $50, and a one-way ticket. How was I getting used to being in the United States? It was hard. You know, it was hard, but you're, when you're young, you are vibrant, and you just think, I can do almost anything. And I was probably a little overzealous. I was excited that I was a member of this church, and, you know, it was all just beautiful. I came, I came from war-torn Holland. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a, it was kind of a, new exciting thing and I knew how to work hard mm -hmm. and I had to work really hard in order to learn the language and then build up a build a career and and so you know it's been a wonderful I've had a great life living here what would you say your most difficult thing was getting accustomed to here in the US uh, probably well I don't know maybe people you know different culture shows different people um, but I felt like I fit in quite nicely because I was a member of their church and so I I went to their church and as soon as I became as soon as I learned the language better it was a little easier here I asked Annie what brought her to Mormonism uh, actually I just met missionaries and I was just young and I loved how they radiated mm -hmm. and you know they just had something that I kind of believed in not that I understood it right away, because it takes years to just kind of, you know, and I think that's in any religion, but I, I liked what they had to offer, and it, I liked how it made me feel when I was in, in their churches or any place, and I still feel that same way after all those years. Yeah, and I, I'm not a fanatic, you know, <laughs> because I love, because we're all God's children, no matter where we came from, you know, and I, I do really believe that. I don't believe that because I'm Mormon, I yeah. got it right. Yeah. I do but really believe that we're all God's children, if we can be good and kind to one another, we don't have all these problems in the world that we have today. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what we look like. And I think that's the problem that we're having today. I can't even talk about it. I feel so bad about all of our refugees. It's, I think it's really sad how the world is turning. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't look like me, I shouldn't like you, you know, but yet we're Heavenly Father's children. Exactly. Really, and it doesn't matter who we, I mean, you can talk to Allah or you can talk to whoever it is. I think we need to have more of that, and I do find that in this organization. And Christ is the center of our religion, because mm -hmm. that's why we're called the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we really just want to do good. Yeah. You know, so I think that's, that is my main objective.
yeah. to just do good. That's great. That's really cool that like that's what the missionaries is what brought you to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Like now that's what you're doing. And that's what I'm doing. Spread God's love. And it kind of overwhelms me. I just think, oh my gosh, here's this girl from Holland. You know, was poor, and because everybody was poor, poor and didn't have a thing, and now I'm at church headquarters. Yeah. Showing yeah. people around. I mean, it's amazing. So Incredible. it's been a, a great, a great ride. Yeah. And now that I'm 76, I can do what I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, and I'm really happy to talk to you, too. Yeah, thank you. And uh, kind of uh, last question, we've been asking everybody on the road this question. Um, uh, we, we've drawn a lot from the conversation that we've had, uh, but uh, just to define it more, um, what life lesson have you learned uh, in your time being here uh, that you want in, to impart onto someone else? I think my greatest... Um, desire would be that we love one another and I that's really what I've learned that nice matters mm-hmm. you know those are the things that you know we don't need to know a lot if we're kind and good to people then mm-hmm. we can build bridges and you know then we don't have any problems you know it's not who has the most you know who lives in the biggest home I think if we just can be my, my life has been extremely good and yet I've had ups and downs I've lost my husband but you know but life is good if we can just look for the good in people that's really what it is about you know be good to people be good to each other yeah because it doesn't matter you might not remember who I am but you might remember how I made you feel yeah, and I think see and else. I think that's the impact that we make in people's right. lives and that's Probably the most important thing that I'd like to do in my later years. I mean, I'm kind of in the winter of my life, so to speak, <laughs> you know. And so it doesn't matter how much money I've made or how much money I didn't make or if I lived in the biggest home. Or, But I think it is what people remember about you is what have you contributed? Yeah. What do we really contribute to society? Working all the time trying to make more money and buy more stuff. Isn't that what we, what a lot of people are about today? They want to live in the biggest house and have the biggest toys and, you know, an iPhone comes out, well, then they want i7. Well, <laughs> now they're waiting for i8. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of... So I think that's part of my journey anyway. And it might be really simple, but I love life. And, and I think if you believe in something... You know, if, if people, I mean, I might call it God, you might call it higher power, whatever it is, I think if we believe in something, I think it makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that you just kind of think, well, there's something more to life yeah. or to relationships or whatever we do in life. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just convinced of that. Because really, because all I can take with me, I mean, I do believe in an afterlife. I just hope that, you know, like it says in the Bible, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I hope that's what they say to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I don't have an edge on that, and I don't know what, what lies ahead, yeah. you know, because I haven't been there. But I'm hoping, and so, and I think that's why I try to be the best I can be every day, and whatever our best is. You know, I, you might be a lot better than I am, but that's your best. Mm-hmm. And so my expectations of me are that I can be just a good person. Because right. yeah. really, that's what we need to be. That is absolutely what yeah. yeah. Be good and kind to people. Definitely. Wow. Thank nice you. matters. Yeah. That's my motto. Yeah. And life yeah. is good. 
that a lot. <laughs> yeah, life is good. So, anyway, let me take the two to ten floor. To cap our day in Salt Lake, we wanted to check out the Great Salt Lake, mile 4,584. With some golden hour photography, of course. While frolicking around the salt flats, we noticed a couple swatting mosquitoes while trying to take engagement photos, wedding dress and all, under the light of the setting sun. Of course, us being who we are, we had to intrude on their moment and ask if we could interview them. Disclaimer, this upcoming soundbite is painfully awkward. You have been warned. So uh, can you all describe what exactly y'all are doing right now? Uh, it's just a wedding or uh, engagement shoot. Oh, true. How long have y'all been engaged for? Uh, about four months. Oh, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Dang. So yeah. are y'all from Salt Lake? Um, I'm from Kaysville, Utah. It's like north of Salt Lake. And uh, she's from Oregon. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I think. So what brings y'all to Salt, Salt Lake then? School. <laughs> yeah. Oh, true. Do you, where do y'all go? BYU. I just graduated from UVU, so... Oh, really? Oh, that, dang, that's awesome. Yeah. So what do y'all like about uh, Salt Lake? Um, I like the outdoors. A lot of things to do outdoors. True. Yeah, and I don't think we want to bother you too much more, so... Just, oh, you're fine. Final question. Uh, what is kind of like a life lesson that you've learned uh, while being here? Like, like, I mean, in the space that we're in right now, y'all are taking your engagement photos and stuff like that. Like, what's kind of a life lesson that y'all have learned, like, even in being engaged, like that you would want to impart onto someone else? Um, I would say patience. Like, I really have to have a lot of patience with her. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, an insult? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Patience. <laughs> patience. <laughs> and I guess just looking, at the, um, looking for the good in everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beautiful. So. Poignant. Yeah. Cool. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much and good luck. At this point of the trip, we hadn't slept in a bed for three nights. The previous two nights, we had hiked in snow, woke up to freezing temperatures, and a tent covered in frost, even drove through a snowstorm. That was a really rough night. So best our luck, that morning before heading to Salt Lake City, I received an email from our Airbnb host, canceling our reservation. In his declination message, he said, quote, I'm declining the request because of snow. I don't think you'd find it to be a good fit at this time. We had 15 feet of snow, and at this time, the property is still under 6 feet of snow. I'll hopefully be able to accept your reservation in the next few weeks. I expect this More on that next week. While entering the city, we were vehemently searching through Airbnb and HipCamp to find some place for the night, until I got a text from our wonderful editing assistant, Yasmina. While we were panicking on the road, she had found us a place with her childhood friend and our now podcast bud, Kenna. And bruh, the luxury of an actual bed and a roof over our heads that wasn't made of nylon, we were living like kings. And even in the morning, we woke up to Keno cooking us breakfast. Breakfast! The hospitality was the greatest that we had had on our road trip. So again, thank you Keno, Lila, and Yasmina for saving us from the bitter snow. Late night while conversing about podcasts, the topic of goats naturally came up, and Kenno told me about coming across a horde of 200 goats at the local church, munching away at the grass for what he would learn was a goat lawn mowing service. My excitement would be contained. 
Until the next morning. As we were leaving for our next stop in Zion, we passed by a church and Takashi mumbled something about goats. I paid no attention. I got onto Utah Road 15, calm, rested, and ready for the long drive ahead, until Takashi, staring at the road ahead, said, No, we have to go back. Initially pretty annoyed and scared, I turned the car around towards the church we saw earlier. My eyes went wide. Goats. Everywhere. There were so many goats, like 200 goats, like goats all around, these little fat plums gnawing away at the shrubs as a rainbow casts in the distance and children playing in the fields. Goats, goats, goats! Looking like a small child overly amused by the goats, the man who was tending the goats sat down his electric fence and walked towards us. In this majestic setting in the middle of suburban Salt Lake City, we met Skylar. Awesome. So first off, could you introduce yourself, uh, who you are and where you're from? Uh, my name's Skylar. I'm from around here in Salt Lake City. Awesome. And could you describe what we're looking at right now? So what we do is uh, we work as a weed control and fire breaks occasionally. So people will have like up, like up to their knees and like weeds and stuff. Someone with a mower doesn't want to go in there and spend who knows how many hours. So what they do, they actually pay us to bring our goats in. We drop them in places like this where we're right by the road or it's not enclosed i need to stay here i actually live in a camper oh. and we're just connected to the church we usually work it out with whoever hires us uh -huh. so that i have access just to the electricity at least charge my phone charge our batteries and everything because this fence is electrified wait so you have to stay here the whole time mm -hmm. really like through the night too so they're oh, they're yeah. out here through the I night mean, so through the night they're, they're they sleep uh -huh. so i don't have to like pull all-nighters or anything like that yeah and so they, they usually lie down during the night. So it's like a mobile pasture. Oh yeah. Like people will pay us and we get free food. So it's a win-win for us. How many people are like in the operation? <laughs> so in the operation, it's me. Um, I'm the only ranch hand this season so far. <laughs> and then my boss, Greg. And it's a family-owned business, so his kids and his wife help sometimes. Oh, awesome. How, how did the, do you know how the idea came about? Um... So as he tells me, he originally wanted to start getting into cattle, but whoever, somebody told him to get into goats, and then he started doing that. Like um, Fort William, there's a $180,000 contract for people to come out and clear out that entire oh, area gosh. by the fort. And that's for a five-year contract, 180000 each year. And it's, it's a two-month job. Holy cow. It's a two-month job where we would have to be out there on horses, and um, there's, there's like 2,600 goats and sheep. That are out like on the pastures. Yeah. Holy cow. Dang. So, how do you kind of occupy yourself? Just like, do you just um, watch I goats? read, watch Netflix if I can, but a lot of it just it's just reading, and I end up talking to the goats. So yeah. They keep me company. The goats are pretty. <laughs> they're they're, they're good, good listeners. <laughs> yeah. They don't talk back or interrupt, so no complaints. That's awesome. How long have you been in Salt Lake City? Um, I've been here most of my life. My teenage years, <coughs> I was in foster care and all that. So that's where I come from and then. When I turned 18, I went down to Texas and worked as a range rider. So it basically, I guess you might say I was, I was a mercenary of the cow herd yeah. forces. So I, I worked for a company and um, ranches that needed hands right then and there didn't have time for the application process to hire their own people. They'd call us and our bosses would send out five or six or how many ever they needed. And so those ranches, they'd pay the ranch and then they'd, the ranch would pay us. 
So how, how long did you do that for? I did that for two years, two and I'm 20 now, so sure. I, I just stopped a couple of weeks ago. You know, I just want something. Did you move back here just recently? Yeah. Back recently? Like the end of April. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And then went straight into... Yeah, I spent a couple of weeks couch surfing with some friends, you know, just <laughs> living life a little, spending some of my money. So, and now you get to, like, watch goats. That's in the middle of the city. That's actually a really cool... Oh, yeah. I mean, have. we get people, like, I've never seen this, like, this many goats in my life. And <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's a real great experience. I mean, I can educate people about livestock. I mean... 75% of the world eats goat meat. Really? Oh, yeah. Europe, Mexico, well, Latino countries, um, the Islamic countries, Middle East and all that. Huge goat people. Wow. I mean, th this is right. This is a prime commodity right here. Each goat can go for about 300 minimum. Really? That small one, that's 300 minimum. You get one of our bigger ones, it can go up. And uh, final question. So, like, with your time, like, traveling around, like, going to Texas and like being here in Salt Lake, what's the greatest life lesson that you've learned that you want to impart onto someone else? There is so much out there. I mean, in Texas, like I, I ended up working in Montana, Wyoming, California on all these jobs and there's so much out there. So if you get the chance, you need to travel. It doesn't matter if you just travel down the street. I mean, who knows what kind of experiences you're going to run into. Yeah. That's, there's just so much out there to experience and to do. It's not all about your little town. And so I encourage people to travel. I know for some it's an expensive commodity, but hell, if you just want to pack all your stuff up in a storage unit, just get a job on a ranch, work there for a few months. That Even that experience, <laughs> when you get home, you're going to have a great first date topic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I worked on a ranch for the summer. <laughs> That's awesome what you think yeah. about it. Dang, I love that. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking <laughs> no the time. Dude, best of luck uh, checking everything out. I hope all your goats stay in the fences and... Stay healthy and uh, stuff. They, they get out occasionally. <laughs> yeah, actually, oh, so we are staying like just down the road, and uh, uh, our host was telling us about how like the old goats were pushing the young goats into the fence. Oh, is yeah. that true? So that Fort Williams job I was telling you about. These are smart guys. So what they'll do? Because we work with sheep as well. Because sheep work as the fire breaks. They get really down. These guys will just graze. And so the fire breaks. Obviously, it just cuts a career line where there's nothing to burn. Mm -hmm. And so what they'll do, they'll go up to a fence and they'll just charge there and like making all this noise. So the sheep start going in that direction too, thinking something's happening. And then all of a sudden at the last moment, you'll see the goats like peel off. <laughs> and the sheep have no idea. And like the ones up front realize something's missed. Like, Aah! like you can hear them freaking out. But the ones behind them are like, they have no idea. So they're just heads into each other's butts. <laughs> and so then you'll see these goats literally hopping on the sheep's backs just to get to this new pasture. Like they That's use incredible. sheep as a battering ram. <laughs> so like all sheep as an actual ram. Oh yeah. Splash and flash with the mighty splash. And when the troll he was gone in a flash. The belly goats skipped into the fields with the green, green grass. Splash and flash and that was the end. Thank you so much for listening to our third episode. If you made it this far, you're the best listener! Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and also write us a review if you can.
And to show our appreciation, thank you to Jeffrey Shaw and Benjamin Newe for your kind words. You can tweet at us at TunaPastaPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to say hello, email us at hello at TunaPastaPodcast.org. Also, please visit our beautiful website, TunaPastaPodcast.org. This episode was produced, edited, and recorded by myself, Takashi Wicks. And myself, Nikio Thoda. Our episode includes music from Akira Tanaguchi, Wasach 88s, Nikolai Heidlis, Yubatake, and the Liznalgovin Primary School. Special thanks to Yasmira Horozovic for editing help and Luke Olsorn for producing our theme music. Happy birthday, you two! Woo! Shout out to my dad, Ram Thoda, for being our biggest supporter, liking everything we've posted on social media to date. Love you, Papa Thoda. We hope to wish the bride and groom best of luck and happiness to their engagement. Special thanks also to Annie, Skylar, and the goats for the great conversations. We really appreciate it. Finally, thanks to Gimlet Media for producing the excellent show Homecoming, for being the soundtrack to this part of the trip. Highly recommended. It's like a movie as a podcast starring Katherine Keener and David Schwimmer, aka Ross from Friends. We were on the edge of our seats. Definitely check it out. I'm your host, Takashi Wicks. And Nikhil Thoda. Thanks for listening. Poignant.